Hello and welcome to Killing It the Crimecast. This is our second episode and I'm Lux. And I am Sam. So this podcast, we didn't really introduce it last time. It's about the lesser known serial killers, essentially. Yeah, essentially we we get together, we talk about, we each choose uh, a a serial killer or a one-off crime. We tell the other person about it and uh, yeah, we just try to get spark the other person's interest. Yeah, we pretty much both know all the heavy hitters, like... All your Dharmas, your Gacy's. Yeah, your Bundy's. We're not going to talk about those. We're going to talk about the little guy standing up for the, for the little guys. Yeah, they don't get they don't get enough. These mm, guys, oh, mm. they have a hard time. Poor unfortunate souls. Absolutely. So before we get started, I wanted to do uh, some housekeeping. So I wanted to first give a shout out to Shawnee Boy Draws, spell S E N and then why boy draws um he's on instagram and he's on twitter and he did our cover art and we love it and we love him very much thank we you love sean it very much thank you sean um also last week i talked about how i was going to text my grandma about the um case that you did what was that guy called the butcher of kansas city that was it and um because yeah she's she and my dad are from kansas and i was going to text her about it turns out i didn't have to she listened to the episode she said she loved it hi van emma Hello. Um, so she emailed me today and she said that she's read a book about the Blood Countess, which is the one I covered last week, by Andre Codrescu. Nailed it. Yeah, definitely. Spot on pronunciation there. I'm pretty sure that is Andre Codrescu. All right. Yeah, whatever. Um, I'll maybe put tweet about it, something like that. But that unfortunately, she didn't know anything about the Kansas City Killer. Oh, butcher, what? Whatever it's called. I would have thought she was just like, she, they, he and she were firm friends. I know. Anyway, um, also, we wanted to say thank you for our online reception. It's been so lovely. We've had a lot of uh, true crime podcasts following us. We even had someone tweet us and say that we were doing a good job. And that I was, uh, do you remember, I was quite tipsy in a cab on the way home. And I almost cried. I thought it was such a nice little tweet. It was. It was lovely. Yeah. It was undercut by the hilarity of the situation of you in a cab, slightly drunk, crying. I wasn't properly crying. I mean. I welled up. Anyway, so that's whining about crime. I listened to her podcast today. It's excellent. I would give it a listen if I were you. So that's whining about crime without the H because it's a little pun. You know, wine, the drinking wine. Love it. it. Yep. And, um... Yeah, that's about it for housekeeping. Other than that, do you have any content warnings to give today? Uh, not in particular, no. No, 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 no massive jumping out things. You know it's about murder. Yep. I mean, we're going to talk about gory stuff. We're going to talk about death. Mine's got a kid dying in it, but it's a kid killing another kid, so it's not Oh, sad. you spoiled the ending. That's not the ending. That's the beginning. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, and that's about it. Yeah, that's it. Cracking. Let's go. In. Um, I went first last week with the Butcher of Kansas City, uh, Burdella. The crazy dude who tortured people. Mm. Uh, but So you're going to go first this time. Um, yes, let's, I am. Uh, let's so get going, man. I'm ready to hear. Right. So this guy is called Carol Edward Cole, the Barfly Strangler. Now, I first heard the term the Barfly Strangler on last podcast on the left, and they mentioned it very briefly and then just carried on going. And I was like, hold up. Tell me more. So I did some research. Nice. So Carol Edward Cole, he was born on the 9th of May in 1938 to parents Laverne and Vesta. Laverne's the father. I would not have guessed that. No, I know, me neither. Um, so the father, Laverne, went to fight in World War Two, and um, Vesta got a little bit saucy whilst he was away. She uh, decided that was the perfect time for, to have several affairs, but she would take Cole with her. And then she'd beat him so that he wouldn't tell his father when his father got back. Why, then why take the kid with you? If you're, gonna, if you're going off to have sordid affairs... 
What? And then you're going to hit the kid to tell the kid not to tell anyone. It's not like she cares don't about childcare, is it? Don't just don't take the kid. I know, right? Um, so yeah, he was also beaten by his mother, pretty much for any other small thing that he did. You know, kids do tiny things. He probably broke a glass or you know trod some mud through the house. She would pretty much just beat him all day every day. Awesome. Um, yeah, so it's not a great upbringing. And even when his father returned from war, she carried on beating him. So not oh. great all round. Um, she also. This rings a bell to me. This sounds a bit like Otis Tool. This sounds like a, a bit like um, Ed Kemper. I want to say Kemper. The giant co-ed killer. Yes. Um, so Vesta would throw little tea parties and she'd have Cole wait on her friends dressed up as a girl and he would serve them tea and coffee and they'd call him Mama's Little Girl and make fun of him. And she loved it. Yeah. <laughs> That's... Uh... I'm I'm in I'm in two minds about that because on the one hand I'm like geez oh Cole I feel so bad for you but on the other hand that's adorable that's super adorable except it was literal torture because he hated it and he was humiliated oh now I feel bad for saying that yeah so he was pretty much tormented by his mum then he started elementary school and he was tormented by all the kids that were there he um he got teased for having a girl's name because his first name was Carol he does have a girl's name. Yeah. So during this period of being essentially tortured by everyone in his life, he um, hid under the porch of his house one day and sort of blacked out. When he woke up, he'd strangled the family's puppy. He'd strangled it. Oh, it was dead. What? The puppy. The puppy? Yeah, that should have been a content warning, actually. That's not cool. Oh, oh yeah. man. Um, and he realised that he loved it. He got a feeling of relief from it. It was, you know, sort of a release for all his anger. And despite the fact he blacked out, when he realised that he had done that thing and that he liked it, he started fantasising about doing it to people, especially his mother and other women. Right. But his first victim was not a woman. It was a boy called Duan. 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 Yeah. Okay. So um, it was one of the kids who bullied him at school, one of the kids who took the piss out of his name, and Duan was especially mean to him. I think he had a special vendetta against this little boy. So... He, in the summer of 1946, Cole tagged along with his brother and some of his brother's friends to a nearby lake for some swimming. And once it was just Cole and this boy, Duan, in the lake, the other boys must have been off doing something else. Maybe they're swimming in a different part. In any case, Duan jumped in and Cole saw the bubbles, uh, you know, rising from the water whilst Duan was swimming, followed him. And then before he was able to come up for air, he locked his legs around the boy's neck and held him there until he was dead. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, and so he confessed to this after he was caught. Um, but at the time, they chalked it up to an accident. The authorities just thought, you know, boys playing in a lake, one of them accidentally drowned. That's that's that. Whoa, man. But yeah, he said that he, he held him until he knew the boy was dead. So he knew what he was doing. He knew that he wanted the boy to die. Jesus. And it was, you know, obviously premeditated because he went and followed the bubbles and all of that. It wasn't just he called him a girl and then he got punched and died or anything. Yeah, it wasn't, that definitely wasn't an accident. It, no, exactly. So that was his very first murder. He... How old was he when this happened? Um, he was born in 1938 and this happened in 47. So, so what, he was nine? He was nine. He was nine. Oh, 46 actually. So no, he was eight. He was eight when he committed his first murder. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And that's that's got to be like one of the earliest starts. Yeah, actually. Like of anyone I've heard of. Other than like Mary Bell. I think she was wow. like seven or whatever. That's incredible. Yeah. So pretty early start. Got his career started early. Um, and then he 
got, a, you know, he grew up, became a teenager, got arrested for minor things like, well, guess. Killing animals? No. Stealing things? Yeah. Wetting the bed? No. No arson, no bedwetting, but he did steal things. Well, no one gets arrested for wetting the bed. Unless it's someone else's bed. But then the bedwetting isn't really the thing you're getting arrested for. You should carry on. Yep. Um, and also for drunkenness. Okay. Um, he went to join the army after high school. Obviously, many of them do. Many of them being serial killers. Um, I, I think he just figured, I like killing. Let's go do some and get money for it. So he did that. But he actually didn't last long there because he was caught stealing the pistols. <laughs> which I don't understand because you live on an army base where are you going to steal them to <laughs> where are you going to steal them to yeah like you're just going to hide them under your bed like they belong in the army base where you live they're yeah. pretty much yours already yeah you, you have a gun it's cool it's, it's all fine you don't need more in any case he, he had to leave the army because he got caught and in 1960 he attacked two couples who were parked on a lover's lane with a hammer Whoa. Um, I think they survived all of them I don't know I think they survived, some of them at the very least. That's crazy. The craziest bit is shortly afterwards, he went and he saw a police car driving past. He flagged it down and confessed that he had these um, murderous tendencies and violent fantasies involving strangling women. Um, and they just told him to go to the mental health authorities. That is incredibly interesting. Like, that's so telling. Yeah. That makes him very Dharma-esque in that mm. he's doing it almost reluctantly. He knows what he's doing he knows and he knows that it's doing. wrong. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. He knows it's wrong. Wow, that's amazing. And he knows it's a compulsion that he needs help with, right? Wow, he's so self-aware. Mm, yeah. So he goes to, I think he was quite smart, actually. Based on based on this, I think he was quite smart. Okay. Um. So over the next three years, he spent time in and out of mental hospitals this is the bit that gets me. This is the bit that really fucks me off. Like, he's, he's already killed a little boy. He's attacked these four people with a hammer. I don't know if they all survived or if none of them did, and I'm just misremembering. But in any case, he's done some some messy things. And it, But it could have ended there. Yeah. It could have. But this man, Dr. Weiss, not a, not a good move, man. Not a good move. After three years, Dr. Weiss let him go. He approved Cole's release from the mental hospital in 1963, even though the same doctor had previously written in his notes, quote, he seems to be afraid of the female figure and cannot have intercourse with her first, but must kill her before he can do it. So there's this doctor and he's got a patient and he's like, I'm, uh, it's my duty as a doctor to look after this fella. He does like having sex with corpses and is unable to have sex with anything other than a corpse. Yeah, he's good. He's all good. Off you pop. Go on. Well, I actually have a reason for this. Go have some fun. I, I, I still think it's stupid that he got released, but apparently the reasoning was, for this was because he was diagnosed with an antisocial sociopath personality. And at the time, so this is in the 60s, um, it was thought that personality disorders couldn't be treated. Oh, okay. Whereas, you know, it, it, it wasn't seen as a mental illness. It was just seen as your brain's gone wrong. Your personality is bad rather than you are ill and you need to be treated. Okay. So that's why he got released, because they didn't think it was treatable, so they just thought, off you pop. But they still probably shouldn't have done that. Even if it's not treatable, he's still obviously a threat to society. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, sure. that was this guy's reasoning. So after his release from the mental hospital, he moved to Dallas, Texas, because his brother lived there. And it was there that he met Billy Whitworth, an alcoholic stripper. And he saw her and he went, I'm gone tap that. 
and he married her. <laughs> <laughs> he married her. Um, and they were married for two what years. Was the, what was the alcoholic stripper's name? Billy Whitworth. Billy Whitworth. Yeah. That's not a stripper. That's a cowboy's name. Billy is quite a stripper name. Oh, let's not say that. Yeah, you got I don't know. Billy. Like, no, no, no. Billy is not a stripper name. Candy is a stripper name. Like, Anything I, 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 an E is a stripper name. My name's a stripper name, let's be honest. Yeah, your name with three X's. Lux with three X's is a stripper name. Or the drag queen's name from Nottingham. Hi, yeah. yeah. Hi, Lux. Hi, Lux. Um, but yeah, Mandy, Candy, Sandy, all stripper names. Billy, Willie. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> I don't know. I just, Amy, not so much a stripper name, really. Especially not because that's your cousin's name. Uh, that's my cousin's name. Anyhow. Um, so they were married for two years, as I said, and I wanted to take a little little guess as to why the marriage ended. It's something that I said he didn't do. He didn't have sex with her because she wasn't dead? No, the arson thing. What? Earlier, I said he didn't commit arson, which is weird for someone of this. Oh, okay. So psychopaths tend to... Burn things. Yeah. So he thought, he convinced himself, it wasn't true, but he convinced himself that Billy was sleeping with people who lived in the motel that they also lived in. Okay. And that she was, you know, just messing around. So he burned it down. Oh. So the marriage oh. ended, which is a fair reason, I think. Fair, yeah. yeah. I, I'll give you that one. If that was on Judge Judy, that'd be a quick solve. We'd get, we'd get there real quick. Real quick. So he was sent to prison and for, for arson, obviously. Um, and upon his release, he attempted to murder an 11-year-old girl in Missouri. Lovely, right? Yeah, lovely. Did... Prison didn't reform him. So, as you might have guessed, because this is all about serial killers and he's only technically killed one person. So, um, he snuck into her... This is terrifying. He snuck into her room while she slept and her screams drove him away, but he was able to be identified by witnesses and so he was caught. So, she ended up surviving because she screamed and struggled when he was strangling her in her bed while she was sleeping. Jesus. But he still got caught. Um, and he was sentenced to five... Only five years for attempted murder of a child. That seems like that seems like they uh, dealt justice with a quite a gentle hand. Mm, yes, indeed. So after that prison sentence, he attempted to strangle two more women, and then he checked himself back into a mental hospital. Again, he's so self-aware. I know. Like, because uh, you know, you could you could tell this story without those parts, and we just assume he was this like crazy, aggressive, like obsessive person. But like, that's all true. But at the same time, he's he's so remorseful. Like, he yeah. knows he has an issue and a problem. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, and he told them about his murderous fantasies, but they still let him go. They let him go again. What? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Oh, okay. I don't, right. think, I don't think he admitted right. his crimes to them, but they would have had access to his record. And also murderous fantasies isn't a small thing. So don't let him go. Also, this, this ties into how serial killers give themselves little allowances. Mm. So if he was truly remorseful, he would have gone in and been like, look, I've, I killed a boy. I burnt down a motel. I tried to kill another girl. You should lock me up. And they definitely would have. But the fact that he went to a doctor, like in his head, mm. he went to a doctor and they said, ah, you're all good. It's just a fantasy. Off you pop. And he was like, oh, now I've been given that allowance. I've been given the okay. Yeah. A doctor has said I'm fine. So why wouldn't I kill everyone? Yeah. Why wouldn't I act on these fantasies? Exactly. Um, so his murder spree, this is when he goes on a bit of a, a whoopsie. He um he starts traveling around, drifting. I didn't write down the names of the places because it was too many and I just didn't care. It's not relevant. I understand. Um, what he would do is he'd pick women up in bars and he'd have sex with them. And he didn't murder all of the women he had sex with. 
what he did was he would have sex with them and if he perceived them to be loose, basically if he thought they were sluts or if they were married, he'd kill them because they reminded them him of his mother. Wow. Yeah. What, also, like, what's the success rate for girls that a strange man with a history of mental, like, of incredible dangerous attacks goes into a bar, the sort of girl who would see that and go, oh, dang, that's the one for me. And they sort of enter into the whole, you're the one that I want, you're the one I want, Greece-style interpretation. No, that's too romantic for this story. Well, I mean, like, what I'm saying is, that sort of girl, probably going to be loose. Probably. He chose a good, like, I would say, like, hunting ground for that. (laughs) (laughs) He He did, it happens to be convenient that women who sleep with a man that they just met happen to be loose. And then, oh, I have an excuse to murder them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously not justified. It's horrific. No. But like, if, if that's his internal justification, he chose a good spot. Yeah, he did. By the way, not slut shaming. Be a slut, do what you want. We love it. Yeah, absolutely. Do what you want. How do you think you, I got with Sam? Sh- uh, oh, yeah. oh, sorry, cool. Grandma. Shit. Anyhow, um, so he said that, yep, they reminded him of his mother, Vesta, and he felt that he had killed her through them. Quote. He felt that he had killed her through them. Because they were loose and so similar to her That's by being loose. Very Henry Lee Lucas. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's very Henry Lee Lucas. He literally killed people. And then when he finally killed his mother, he was like, oh my God, that was amazing. Also Kemper. Yeah, and Kemper. Yeah, definitely mm-hmm. Kemper. Um, I don't think he wanted to fuck his mum though, which Kemper kind of did by having sex with her decapitated head. Yeah, 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 he did so, that. He did so do that, yeah. Difference. Yep. Anyhow, um, this this woman, Essie Butch, or that's an unfortunate last name, or Bush, I don't know how you would pronounce it. It's B-U-C-H. Nope, that's okay. It's Essie Buck. <laughs> <laughs> Whoop, my bad. Um, so You're just trying to class her up. It's like Essie Buck or Essie Buch. 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 Um, he um, he was in San Diego at this point, uh, 1971. He picked her, he picked her up, assuming he had sex with her, um, and he strangled her to death in his car, and then drove around with the body in the trunk, just chilling, just cruising, driving around. That's a running theme. It is, Most isn't it? Most people do that. It's weird. Yeah, it's re- it's really sort of flippant. It's like, oh, this is worth. This is like just got some trash in my boot, sort of. Yeah. Vibe. Um, so he was detained and questioned for Essie Buck's murder, but was released. <laughs> yep. God damn, man. <laughs> wow. Yep. In 1937, he married an alcoholic barmaid. He loves his alcoholics, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. She was called Diana Pashal. Um, and they would argue a lot. And after a big argument, he would just disappear for a few days. And this is when he would do his killing. Okay. Yeah. So he sort of used it as an excuse to be like, I'm mad at you, I'm going to leave. But I have a feeling he probably made the arguments happen quite a lot so that he could disappear. I mean, you could look at it either way. It, chances are if the fantasies got so incredibly strong, he'd be so angry that he'd probably make an argument, whether it was intentional or not. Yeah. There's definitely a correlation. That's true. Um, so on these trips, he'd commit his murders. And apparently on one of the trips and with one of the murders, he partially ate the woman. What? There's like nothing about this online. All it's apparent cannibalism or partially ate or supposedly ate. There is there are no details that the woman's name isn't mentioned, nothing. It's an ambiguous statement. Yeah. Does partially ate mean he didn't fully digest her? Or does partially ate mean he only ate some of her? 
I mean, you can't eat all of a person. I mean, give me some time. Oh, Give me a bit of time. No. So September 1979. <laughs> I'm not going to eat anyone, I promise. September 1979, he murdered his wife. He strangled her. Here's another bit where, again, could have been stopped. Wife gets murdered. Who do you suspect first? The husband. The husband. Eight days later, a neighbour got suspicious and called the police because obviously he hadn't seen the wife in a while. Mm-hmm. Police rock up. Diana's body's in a cupboard. Wrapped in a blanket, she's just been shoved in there. And they just go, uh, well, she was an alcoholic. And left. What? What did they think she did? She, I, I have, I've been drunk several times. <laughs> and I've never found myself, even unconscious, let alone dead, in a cupboard wrapped in a, what was it, in a blanket. No, I think they thought that she died of her alcoholism. And that Cole had just freaked out and been like, Ugh! and just thrown her in a cupboard. What? Yeah. What? Yep. Oh, that's so... It's so stupid. Like, I respect the police and everything they do, but this was just plain dumb. That's so ridiculous. It was just stupid. Um, I don't know why on earth. Maybe they couldn't find any, you know, actual wounds or anything because they concluded that she died of alcoholism. I I didn't see any evidence of, you know, strangulation or beating or whatever. There There weren't any details of that. So maybe they couldn't find any. So they just thought, we'll leave it. But it's still... It's the butterfly, butterfly strangler is just like, yeah, we found this guy's wife. She was a drunk and clearly the booze bruised her throat as it went down. That happens sometimes. It happens. I've seen it happen. Let's go. No paperwork. This is and a suicide. it's the 60s. Yeah. It's not like, I would imagine this in like Jack the Ripper sort of time where they just sort of guess at something and then leave it at that. There were forensic investigations they could have done. Oh, yeah, fair. Um, That's so ridiculous. So after her death, after death, he, after he murdered her, he started drifting again. He um, got married in Vegas and uh, killed a bunch of women in there. And um, then he killed three women in Dallas. Now, he was actually a suspect for the second Dallas murdered woman's murder. Great sentence. Excellent sentence. Um, and he was actually found on the scene of the third murder. What? So he was found on the scene of a murder. It could be like in the same building as her body was found or something like that. It just said on the scene. So probably not with his his hands around her throat, but definitely was a suspect. Okay. Um, Yeah, he was arrested and held in custody. And the police came to the conclusion that the third Dallas woman had probably died of natural causes. And they were willing to let Cole go. And because he was only a suspect in the second uh, Dallas woman's murder, you know, they didn't have to keep him for that. They, you know, they were going to take him for questioning later on or something like that. So they were like, yeah, mate, you're all good. Off you pop. But he started confessing. Okay. Yeah. He starts confessing. After this massive spree, he just decides, well, I'm in front of the police right now. Might as well. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so he confesses to 14 murders throughout his drifting period. So that's not including the boy... Or the um, Hammer Attack Lovers Lane people. Jesus. Yeah. He, um, he said there could have been more than 14 victims, but that he couldn't be sure because he was usually drunk when he committed murder. Um, we all forget stuff. It's fine. Don't worry, mate. You know, I sometimes, I'm, I almost always wear odd socks. So I understand how, you know, you get a bit drunk. Did they die? I get it. This worries me. 9th of April 1981 he was convicted of the three Dallas murders and sentenced to life in prison 
After his mother's mother died, he agreed to face the charges for the Vegas murder. And I think he was hoping for the death penalty because in Nevada they had it and I don't think they had it in Dallas. But that's, I said that to my mum and she was like, are you serious? In Texas, they didn't have the death penalty. We don't know enough about the Americas. The Americas. No, we don't. The, the, the colonies. <laughs> oh. um, <laughs> so in October 1984, he was sentenced to death in Nevada because he, con- he confessed to the murder that he did there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he had a life sentence in Dallas. So I guess he just, the authorities in Nevada just said, well, oh, he's locked up. Like, what are we going to do? Lock yeah. him up some more? No. Um, but then he decided to confess. So it was sort of optional for him. And um, yeah, got got given the death penalty, which is what he wanted. So great. But then some anti-death penalty protesters show up and they try and get it commuted to life in prison. And he pleads with the judge. He's like, dude, please, can you just fucking kill me? Like, ignore these hippies outside. Just do it. Um, and the judge actually agreed and sentenced him to death. And... He said, thanks, judge. Those were either his last words in court or his last words full stop. That is so disrespectful. He didn't even use his last name. Wow, thanks, judge. Safe, bro. I'm Audi. Not cool, man. I know. That's the end of that one. Man, that was crazy. He's dead. Good riddance. Man, so he, he, what, so, so he did like a tour of the US and a tour of Texas mm. and like Nevada and he killed... 14 people, not including the little boy he murdered. Mm. So he drowned the kid. He didn't crush the boy between his muscular thighs. No, he drowned him. Okay, okay. And then the rest was, uh, then he tried using a hammer and then the rest were strangulations. Hence the barfly strangler, because he's a barfly. He's buzzing around all the bars looking for loose women. Um, But yeah, 14 is the minimum. I saw somewhere the number 35, but I don't know where they got that from. Maybe that was the utmost number that he guessed in one confession or something like that. But essentially, he killed a bunch of people and he's dead now. And good fucking bye to Carol Cole. Yeah, he's got a girl's name. Right, so, okay. (laughs) What I think is really interesting about that story is the strangulation. Because, like, Dharma did something very, very similar. He only killed people with strangulation. Specifically when they were unconscious and because he hated it. Mm. But it seems like a really odd method of murder for someone who is so very clearly not super okay with what he's doing. He's aware that what he's doing is wrong. Well, I think it was drunkenly and sexually motivated. I mean, yeah, it was in his fantasies. Yeah, and I think they often say about stabbing and strangling, it's quite a close proximity thing. It's quite intimate. So often sexual aspects do come into play, but more so with stabbing because it's like an in-out thing. That's very Freudian. Yep. Um, so I, yeah, I agree. I don't really understand why he strangled rather than stabbed, for example. Uh, it just seems like it just seems like someone again. Dharma being the example of this of the sort of regretful serial killer mm. or the sympathetic serial killer is a person who like is aware that what they're doing is wrong, but they can't control their impulse. They can't control their impulses. Mm. But it seems like an incredibly odd method to kill people. You know, yeah. if, if if you know that what you're doing is wrong. Surely you do it quickly. Then again, remember that he did strangle a puppy when he was a kid and that was his first taste of it and he loved it. So maybe it's like a habit thing, a nostalgic thing, a, oh, I did it this way once and I loved it, so I'll just keep doing it that way. Maybe he didn't really want to experiment. Yeah. Or, or maybe he did, but it was... It's like, it's like why I still use Lynx deodorant. 
doesn't it's absolutely the same thing. It's, yes, it's exactly the same thing because like I started using it in year eight because you weren't a cool kid if you didn't have it. Lynx chocolate or Lynx Africa? Mate, Lynx Africa in year eight. Lynx chocolate wasn't even about until halfway through year nine. My bad. Should have done your research. <laughs> Should we talk about your person now, your killer? Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's move on to me. Let's move on to my person. So, mine is not a serial killer. Mine... Um, breaking theme in only episode two. That's pretty soon, Sam. It's about murder. It's it's it has death within the confines of this story. I know. I don't mind. There is death. It's fine. So, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you a little story. I'm going to set the scene. What was that supposed to be? Bird song. The wind whistling. Let's go with the second one. The wind is whistling. We're in Florida in uh, 1990. It's of course just... we're in Florida, can I just say? Because <laughs> of all the wind? Anyway, um, it's just before 11 a.m. And there's a woman named Marlene Warren in her house. Does she die a... or is she the killer? She's in her house. Right. You will find out. Oh. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Down. <laughs> Down. She's in her home in a really prestigious area of Florida uh, called the Aero Club in um, Palm Beach County. It's mm. a, I don't know anything about American places, but saying like the most prestigious area of Florida is like saying the fanciest table in Nando's. No, to be fair, I've been to Florida and I was in a fancy place. There was a cool bird, like a peacock, but not outside the... It, yeah, it was just fancy. I love hearing about birds that I know, but aren't those birds. No, but you know when you have like a hotel and they've got cool resident birds... That means they're fancy. Okay. So Florida can be fancy. Florida can be fancy. I, I, I will accept that. Yeah. See, all, I've never been to Florida. All I know about Florida is what I've seen in films and this story. Anyway, speaking of this story. Um, there's Such a, a natural segue. I know. What an excellent transition. Uh, there's a knock at the door and Marlene goes to answer the door. She opens it and there is a person in full makeup and a clown wig. A man in full makeup, like clown makeup. There is a there is or a clown. they've just contoured really well. There is a clown. Bold eyeshadow. Full lip. clown makeup. All right. And a wig. And full clown outfit. The clown had flowers and claimed to be delivering flowers. Did they squirt water? <laughs> I would love that. It's a, I, I'm a clown. I'm delivering the flowers. And the clown was also holding a couple of balloons. Uh, Marlene's- Can you just imagine, just stop and imagine for a second, how fucking creepy, because this is after Gacy, how yeah, no, it's fucking the 90s. creepy. It's also after Stephen King's It. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah, for real. But I mean, like, you know, the clown frenzy hadn't quite hit as it has now. So uh, Marlene's son, who was there at the time, uh, recalls hearing his mother say, oh, how pretty. What a, what a, what a pretty clown. What a pretty little <laughs> clown. Wasn't she talking about the I assume. I oh yeah, that, that actually makes more sense. How, like, because I said the clown was delivering the flowers. The clown was like, "Here are your flowers," and she was like, "How pretty!" Rather than "Here are your flowers." You're a pretty clown, <laughs> aren't you? Pretty, you cute little clown. Also, clowns are not pretty. Also, she's the victim. So oh, okay. The clown then pulled out a gun and shot Marlene in the face. What the fuck? Just done. Here's your flowers. Bang. Shot Marlene in the face in front of her son. At least the funeral flowers are paid for. Oh! <laughs> I'm so oh! sorry. Oh, I love it. Um, oh, that was great. Uh, <laughs> the clown then got into a white Chrysler convertible mm. 
And um, Marlene's son tried to give chase, but unfortunately he was... Um, How old was he? Uh, I believe he was 21 at the time. Okay. He tried to give chase, but he um, he was in a cast at the time. I think he'd broken his leg oh. and he couldn't he couldn't keep up and he lost the car. Oh, um, poor guy. The car was found abandoned nearby with an orange wig inside and Marlene Warren died two days later. Oh my God, she didn't die instantly? No, I know. I was amazed. She, 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 I think she went into a coma and died oh. in hospital. Fuck, that's sad. So that that's the crime. Uh, a woman opens the door. Marlene Warren opens the door to a clown. The clown shoots her in the face and drives away. What the fuck? I know. Did the clown know her? Was he hired? If he was hired, was he hired as a clown or as an assassin? I don't know. Or both. Was I, he a clown assassin I and do, that was his gig? I do know. Oh, okay. I'm tell just me. cultivating your intrigue. Um, so a rumor began to circulate that Marlene's husband, Michael Warren, was the killer. Were so, they separated? Sorry, I keep intru- uh, I'm so intrigued. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's very intriguing. Uh, Marlene and Michael's marriage, that's a good sentence, um, had been a bit rocky for quite an lump- uh, amount of time. Like sort of colleagues and co-workers had said that they'd been arguing, heard reports from each, each person that they were having a pretty hard time. Um, also, they had accumulated recently about a million dollars in combined assets. Wow. But all of these assets were in Marlene's name. Oh, yeah. did so he have a life insurance policy? We have a monetary motive. No, no life insurance policy. Well, who was? But it was assumed that they have these shared uh, assets. It's assumed that it would go to the husband if she died. I mean, was it in her will? Because if it was under her name, how I mean, is it shared? shared? If there's a shared, it's it's a shared thing, but she technically owns them. Exactly. So it's not shared. I don't know. Another factor is that Marlene actually told her parents that she was scared Michael would hurt or even kill her. She actually said to her parents, uh, quote, if anything happens to me, Mike done it. That's quite common with victims of abuse. Was, was it an abusive relationship? Uh, it doesn't say. I don't believe so. Oh. I think she was just very scared of him. Why would you be scared of someone if they weren't abusive? Perhaps he threatened abuse, but there's no, there is no, no actual physical. But he might have no been, reports of physical he violence. He might have been verbally, you know. I'm not saying he was a good dude. Oh, no, no, of course. I'm just saying he didn't beat her. Yeah. Also, the phrase... What's the, what's the Florida accent? Oh, why are you asking me? You know I can't do accents. Mac done it. Is that Florida? That's Southern. Damn. Florida's just like a pretty normal accent. I don't know. If anything happens to me, Mike done it. After the murder happened, when the police were talking to Marlene's parents, uh, apparently the parents said they didn't really do anything about that statement, about the, if anything happens to me, Mike done it, because they knew that Marlene suspected he was having an affair, and, she, and they knew she was paranoid. So the parents thought like, look, she's just paranoid. They brushed it off because they'd met Mike. Obviously they knew him. Maybe just brushed it off. In hindsight, bad move. Also, just advice to people out there. If your friend or your daughter or even your parents say to you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about this person hurting me. What is the harm in giving them a rape alarm or putting a panic button next to the door or, you know, putting a peephole in their front door? Just any sort of measure that will make them feel a little bit safer. There's yeah, literally absolutely. no harm in it. Yeah, I completely agree. Again, shout out to my grandma for the rape alarm. Thanks, babe. Whoop, whoop. That's not the noise it makes. <laughs> um, so the evidence is looking pretty bad against Michael and for sure it gets worse. Uh, police start to look into the claims that Michael could be the primary suspect. Mm. Were there any other suspects at all at this, at this time? At this time, no. Okay. 
they looked at the what they found. Obviously, they found the white Chrysler convertible with the orange wig in it. Mm -hmm. They found small hairs and fibers, but DNA tests on these were inconclusive. Were the hairs orange and plastic? They absolutely were. Fingerprints on the steering <laughs> wheel? Anything like that? Nothing. Mm. Clowns wear gloves. Um, <laughs> so the uh, the DNA tests on the hairs and fibers were inconclusive. It was the 1990s. It was 1990. They didn't really have the technology that we have now. Mm. Uh, the police knew that Michael... No, they had mitochondrial DNA. They had mitochondrial they? DNA, but not on orange plastic wigs. Well, okay, but that would have been the case even if it was now. It would have been inconclusive because it was just a plastic wig, right? But it would have been able to identify the structure of the plastic, the type of plastic, things like that. And then they could have found the retailer yeah. who bought it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so the police knew that Michael worked as the owner of a used car lot. And they looked oh. into this. They found that the car did come from his car lot. Oh, my God. Um, if it turns out not to be him. But since there was only inconclusive DNA evidence and the circumstantial evidence that it was the same type of car, they didn't really, they didn't have even close to enough evidence to prosecute. Mm. So the police were like... Could they at least have gotten a search warrant for his house, though? Do you reckon on that evidence? I, I reckon on that evidence, no. He Fuck. runs. He runs a used car business in an area... And a car that happens to be involved in a crime is owned by him. Mm. How many cars do you think in that city a crime was committed in one of those cars? Yeah, that's fair. It's no way near enough. God, yes, that's so he annoying. happens to have the, the motive of money and it's his wife, but that's not enough to like search his house. That's something that really pisses me off about the warrant the warrant system is that you have to have you know you, you can have a guy who threatens his ex-wife she f t turns up murdered and unless you have any sort of other evidence you can't search his house which to me is like okay fair enough privacy blah 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 but just do it just just do it yeah you know like i find that really frustrating i understand i understand your frustration um as did the police yeah, because they were at a loss yep they uh, they definitely suspected Michael. He was still suspect numero uno. So they looked into his personal life. So uh, it looked as though, after digging up some dirt, there were some rumours that backed up Marlene, his wife's paranoia, that he was having an affair. Okay. Uh, there were rumours around the office and uh, through some other sources that Michael was having an affair with a woman who worked at his used car lot named Sheila Keen. Plot twist, clan was a woman. Sheila Keen. Uh, Sheila was a pretty girl. Let's let's talk a bit about Sheila. All right. Sheila was a pretty girl. She grew up in La Belle, in America, I assume. That's uh, almost weird. always the fancier the name, the less fancy the place. I was thinking that as well. Nice. What place La Belle is, is probably Belle? just a, a dirt pit. <laughs> it's just a mud hut. In uh, 1987, she married an ex Ku Klux Klan member named Spud. Wowee. I assume because, as we all know, potatoes are the most Aryan of root vegetables. Also, maybe he kind of looked like one with his shaved head. Quite possibly. But they all did, so that's not a particularly unique uh, nickname. Uh, so they married after having waited for him to finish a prison sentence. For? Racism. Pro maybe. Something to do with racism. All right. Uh, classy as anything, though. Uh, a few years later, Keen and Spud were living in a trailer park in Florida when Keen got a job as an entertainer for a children's entertainer. Mm. Uh, this job involved her dressing up as a clown. No. There are a couple of reasons that Sheila popped out as a potential suspect to police. She was reported to enjoy dressing up as a clown to entertain her kids as well as the kids that she 
mm. entertained as an entertainer. Babe, no. Men aren't worth it. Police also found one of the balloons that the clown was holding and found that it was only sold at one type of shop. Uh, Publix grocery store. Publix with an X. Let me guess, that was her favorite grocery store? She lived opposite the only Publix grocery in Palm Beach County. Oh my God. The police interviewed the woman who worked in Publix and she remembered a dark-haired, pretty young woman buying a clown outfit about 45 minutes before the murder. When shown a picture of Sheila Keane, the shop worker says it could have been her. It matched the description, but she was hesitant to identify her as the woman she saw. Fair. I think that's that's actually commendable because a lot of people are too quick to just go, yeah, it was him. That happened so much in the Albert Fish case. Yeah, things like where they just go, I, I'd bet my life that that was him and it just definitely isn't. Yeah. So obviously a long time before the murder, Sheila and Spud uh, got divorced. And I think she may have remarried because she has another ex-husband. And uh, that ex-husband told the police that he saw Sheila and Michael together a lot. He said that he saw Michael leaving her house so much that he assumed they were married. Now, Oh my God. I have a question about this situation. A, a question for me or a question a in question general? A question for this because it's very confusing. He's her ex-husband, mm. right? And they're so estranged that he doesn't even know if she's married or not. Mm. But he has a really strong understanding of who's coming and going to her house. Oh, he's definitely just still in love with her and stalking he's her. He's a bona fide stalker. Yeah, or right? did they have kids together? Because he could have been like... No. Oh. No, He he he's just like, I don't even know if she was married or not, but I don't know where she lives. <laughs> yeah, he... Um, her he beans look awful full today. <laughs> That's how I imagine he talks. Yeah. The sort of guy who married a clown also. entertainer who's the ex-wife of a Ku Klux Klan member was just like, oh, Lordy, you have not put your recycling in the correct bin. <laughs> oh, no, sir. No, sir. I got my binoculars all tangled up. <laughs> anyway, um, so the police, having all this evidence, they collect, collected all of it, but... There still wasn't enough evidence. Are you serious? I'm serious. It was all circumstantial, right? Okay. Can I interject here? Go. Did they do ballistic tests on the gun? I don't know. Okay. Almost certainly. But there is no record of them finding the gun. No, no, no. But like the bullet, you could find out what kind of caliber bullet it is, whether or not she's registered to have a gun with that caliber, blah, 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 blah. They could, they uh, potentially, I mean, I'm sure they did the best work they could. I'm just trying to, yeah. think about other ways they could have yeah absolutely I mean like my, my, my understanding is that probably there are a lot of things they could have done but at the same time there doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence and the they seem only, to be doing a great job the only thing so they've far. linked is that there's a car with an orange wig mm. that's the only physical evidence they seem and to have and motive I guess yeah. and the balloon and all the coincidences like the, the fact that but it's but it, that's the thing that's all they are no but they know where the balloon came from that's yeah, the thing so they've, they've got a list yeah. of suspects based on who bought balloons within the, the last like however many months it's all circumstantial no I know so the police realised there wasn't enough evidence to convict Sheila Keane uh, but they, so they decided to try and go back to Michael Warren uh, Marlene's husband they assumed like he was involved but they believed that Keane was the trigger man the one who actually pulled the trigger right. Keane was the clown they believed um, so they looked into uh, Michael Moore and they found that he had been tampering with odometers in the cars he was selling, as well as the chance of him stealing cars for his business. All right. So they found that he was into some shady stuff. Of course, he lives in Florida. So 
cold. Ice cold. Any Florida listeners, we love you and hope that you get out soon. Any Florida listeners, I have no idea where you, what where you live is like. It's so sticky and like, ugh, like humid But at the same time, I'm pretty sure that people in Florida think that we're all just posh people who sit around drinking tea non-stop. So um, after that, he was sent to trial for this uh, tampering with cars and potentially stealing cars. Uh, his sentence was only nine years for this because it it's a big deal. Like, it, that is a huge deal. Oh, like, yeah. Um, falsely selling cars and potentially Grand Theft Auto. Um, his his um, his sentence but it was reduced to nine years because the defense pretty aptly pointed out that the only reason the prosecution were fighting for a bigger sentence is because they wanted to get him for homicide. Yeah. They wanted to put him behind bars for a homicide that they couldn't prove. That's fair enough. You know, so like he, he got this um, sentence and he only served three years of it. What? Three years. His only conviction was stealing a car but and selling a car. three out of nine years. Why does this keep happening? I don't know. Let the drug offenders off. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, but like smoking a joint and having a fraudulent business are two completely... <sighs> yeah. So this was in 19... This is still all in 1990. So it's all happening in one year? Yeah. Wow. Obviously not the three years he served in prison. That happened over three well, years. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> so obviously it was 1993... Uh, Warren is eventually released from prison. He and Sheila Keane completely disappear from the map. No. They just disappear. They go away. And it's only until 2002 no. that anything else pops up. And that's not even the final thing. In 2002, all that happened was the only record is that Sheila Keane divorced her ex-husband officially and married Michael Warren. No. Yes. Married the man whose wife she is the primary suspect in the murder. Well, you know what they say when you murder together. Yeah, that's that's you stay together forever. Exactly. I'm so glad we killed that guy. So, um, a total of 27 years goes by since this murder. It's now 2017. No fucking way. It's now 2017. What month? I don't know. I'm afraid. It's now mm. 2017. I know something though. You'll like this. Okay. The police in Palm Beach County decide to reopen the case, primarily because it's only in 2017 that one of the police officers realizes that the two primary suspects in the murder of a man's wife, one being the man, the bloody husband, are now married. Yeah. So one of them finds out and goes, uh, should we look into this again? Fuck yes, Palm Beach Police Department. Absolutely. That's awesome. So they send the orange fibers from the wig that have been kept for 27 years. <gasps> yes, I love send it when the, the evidence is properly handled. Yeah, absolutely. They send the orange fibers to the lab with modern DNA testing mm -hmm. and they are now actually be able to analyze what f compound and what fiber and what yeah. plastic it is. Um, they discovered that the orange fibers were exactly the same as some other orange fibers that had been found in Sheila Keane's house. Can I just say, why hasn't this been on Forensic Files? I don't know. We've watched all of them. We have seen every single Forensics file. Although only the ones available in Britain. Maybe it has been displayed in America. Yeah, there could be a bunch of American ones that we haven't seen. So, uh, it was discovered that... Um, so the police obviously decided to reopen this case because they found out that uh, Sheila Warren and uh, Michael Warren, now, were married. And uh, they apparently had been discovered. Another thing that triggered them reopening the case is because they were discovered to be living in Washington County, Tennessee, running a drive through restaurant called The Purple Cow. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I found some reviews of The Purple Cow drive through No, you didn't. I did, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite reviews was, if I could leave zero stars, I would. The previous managers 
we're way better. This place has gone downhill. I love it. I, realizing that the previous managers were like accolades in murder. Wait, so. That's a genuine thing. So they managed it well? Yes. Oh. They did very well. The other one is, so this is another, I took a, a little section of, a, of quite a long review Again, complaining about the new managers saying it had gone downhill, right? Now, I, I, I feel like this has to be read in a certain accent, but it's literally like, I feel like if you pay $46 for a meal, you should be able to get a goddamn banana split with chocolate goddamn ice cream. What? For free? No, like instead of vanilla. Oh, <laughs> like, I see, I see. They're so angry. <laughs> and like a lot of that was in caps. They That's were, so They were not funny. happy. Don't get between a man and his food. Exactly. I don't think that was a man. That sounds like that sounds like an angry fat Floridian woman. Do you think so? <laughs> yeah. I see it as a man, like a lonely man on his way home from work, like, I gotta see my goddamn kids. And he parks him like a lay-by before he gets home and just devours this meal and he gets home and just walks past his wife and she's like, Honey, dinner's on the table and he's like, You bitch. Well, you painted a whole lovely little picture there, didn't you? I did, yeah. Yeah, you went on a little journey. I like that. So, they were actually doing pretty well at the Purple Cow. Congrats apparently. to them, I suppose. Yeah, well done. Like, honestly, I looked it up. A lot of five-star reviews. And then suddenly, around the end of 2017, a lot of one-star reviews. And nothing about murder. <laughs> so, uh, the DNA testing came back. And as I said, it matched exactly with orange fibers that were found in Sheila Keene's home very shortly after the murder. So, obviously, they did search her home. Yeah, good. Um, as well as to a wig that she was known to use. Dumb bitch. With all of this, as well as all the circumstantial evidence, uh, Keen was arrested in late October 2017. How old is she at this point? Do uh, you know? I'm unsure. She was, I think she's around 50 at this point. Really? So she's yeah. had pretty much a whole good she's had life. A long life. Just fine. I hate when that happens. And she is still awaiting sentencing. Really? Right now. <gasps> Where's she her has been charged. Held? She has been charged with murder. And it's in the US. I don't show. I don't know. There's very little uh, information on this. A very little new information on this. Guys, if you live in that sort of area, look it up. See if you can visit the the the, the sentencing process. See if, if you can go can and sit in court. Find out what's happening to Sheila Keen. I would love to know. Yeah. Um, there's she's still awaiting sentencing. There have been no charges brought up against Michael. Wait, are you serious? None. She might confess at some point. No, 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 not against Sheila. Sheila has her charges and DNA evidence no, no, linking no. a wig she I owned. know, but I'm saying when Sheila confesses, she might confess that Michael was part of it to get a lesser sentence, maybe. Maybe, but there have been nothing, there's been nothing brought up against him. So far. So far, true. That's so cool that it's still unfolding. Yeah. So it turns out that after, this is something that I think is really messed up. Right. It turns out that after Marlene was killed, Michael Warren did in fact inherit all of the assets that were in her name. Are you fucking kidding me? He gave some to her son, who was 21 at the time. He now must be 48. Um, I assume because it's his son as well. It didn't really specify. It only ever specified it was Marlene's son. Right. But it was probably Michael's son as well. But that was only because his son was on the verge of bankruptcy. What a fucking asshole. I'm sorry, you just watched your mum die. You tried to chase down the murderer. And your dad, who, who you know... At, for, for all you know, isn't involved, just goes, now nah, I'm going to keep it. A million dollars. Yeah, it's super messed up. That's so shitty. He inherited all of them. I imagine that a lot of that went on the purple cow. Fucking awesome. So my real question is, if you have all that money, 
you got away with a perfect crime. Your new wife has got no charges brought up against her for another, what, 20 years? 27 years in total. Mm-hmm. And you inherit a million dollars worth of assets. Mm. Why the fuck can't you afford chocolate ice cream for your banana splits? <laughs> That's not where I thought you were going. For real. Like, you've got all that money. She's this, this, I imagine her as a giant woman in a, in a, in a rascal scooter driving around going like, where's my goddamn chocolate? <laughs> and like, and just being really upset about it. You know, that's how you, you keep money though. That's how the wealthy stay wealthy. What, ice cream? No, you just be stingy. Yeah, fair. But um, what I thought you were going to say is why didn't they just leave the States? They could have gone to Mexico. They could, could have gone you know, anywhere in the world and just set up a nice little house and just lived there. Yeah, they, that's true. They could have come to England, English speaking. I mean, miserable weather, but it would be a nice change from Florida. I yeah, true. I mean, then again, though, like they just moved. They moved out of the state. Yeah, but to get extradited from a different country, they probably weren't the smartest of beans, are they? No. Yeah. Okay. No, probably not. But yeah, to to get extradited would be so much effort that maybe even if they did have this ev- evidence, they wouldn't have tried to to bring her back. Yeah, absolutely. So, and what I think is super amazing is the police happened to find out where Sheila Keen and Michael Warren were. How? They just found out. Like, obviously some information came back to them. They were living in a small area. Do you think it was someone who came back and was like, man, I just ate the purple No, oh, I just ate the purple cow. It was so good. I am so, oh, it was so delicious, but like, God damn, I wanted some of that chocolate goddamn ice cream. <laughs> God damn. But like, no, so the police in that area, obviously just somehow some information came back to them that they had got married and that they were living together happily in a different state. Wow, that's innocent, awesome. Innocent people don't just immediately leave the town they've been in after your, their wife gets killed. No, of course they don't. I mean, like, you could say, like, oh, all the memories and stuff. But no, but he didn't give a shit. Yeah, he didn't care. So, yeah, that's the story of Sheila Keen and Michael Warren, the one-off clown killer. Is that the name you're dubbing it, or has the, it already been dubbed that? No, it has not been dubbed that. The one-off count... Nope. That Pretty flowers murder. <laughs> I still can't believe that she thought that I, I thought that she thought the clown was pretty. I can't believe that either. I thought it was a bit. I thought you were joking. No, I no. wasn't joking. It was just like forget the flowers. You're a very pretty clown. By the sounds of it, she was a pretty clown. So, I mean, yeah, pretty she must young have been. Woman. She was a pretty young woman. She entertained children, probably not with a gun. I don't think that was part of her act. No, maybe a water pistol. Maybe a cheeky little <laughs> water pistol. She's like bang bang, gotcha. <laughs> Your son's chasing me. <laughs> Can't catch me. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I think this is a good place to put our end of podcast disclaimer. Yeah, for sure. We don't approve of any of the cl- crimes that we talk about or any crimes in general. We don't support any of these people. I mean, we did congratulate the proprietors of the Purple Cow, but that was sarcastic. Absolutely. We don't condone any of the acts committed in these uh, stories. We just find them very fascinating and interesting, and we hope you guys do too. I think it's very interesting to learn about the sort of people who would do this. Because we uh, accept that there are abhorrent acts, and I, but it's still very interesting to know. It's the same reason we like watching horror films. It's the same reason we like being scared. We like we have an interest in the macabre, and that doesn't mean we condone it. Exactly. It's just an interesting topic, but please don't go out and murder. Yeah, don't kill anyone. All right, that's it from Killing at the Crimecast this week. Listen in next time, and you can follow us on Twitter at Killing at Crime and on Instagram at Killing at Crimecast. Please rate, review, and subscribe. That would really help us boost our views, not views, listens. Yeah, of course, please listen. Uh, We're available on iTunes and a couple of other podcasting sites. 
Uh, we really hope you enjoy this episode and we'll uh, see you guys next time. Bye, guys. Mm-hmm.